Welcome to the Cardboard Crash Cast. My name's Ethan, your host. I'm here with Christos, Adam, and Shaw. Say hi. Hello. Hey, what's up? We're here with uh, Season 2, Episode 2. This is going to be Board Games for Beginners. We've got an interesting way of going about it this time because Christos and Adam are going to be interviewing the two of us over on this side of the table. Shaw and I have a little bit more background information on board games. What would you say, one out of ten, what's your, like, engagement with the, with board game community as a whole? That's a difficult one. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give myself, um, above average, so we'll say, like, seven, but there are some, some niche board game places I definitely have not, uh, delved into. Okay. I'd say I'm maybe, like, a eight. I feel like that's fair. I feel like once you get a YouTube channel, you kind of get that extra point. What would you say you are, Adam? Ooh, I don't know. I I definitely, when I talk to people and say, like, board games, they're throwing out, oh, like, Monopoly and Sorry and stuff, and I'm like, no, no, not that. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, because I'm like, it's not hipster, it's not, like, I guess it's just, like, new age, just modern, different, random kind of designs, and a lot of them have come from you, Mm -hmm. primarily you, um... So I'd say maybe I'm at like that four or five range, like that middle ground where I feel like the classic board games are like Monopoly, Sorry, Clue and stuff like that. Then that's like a, probably a one or two if that's kind of how we're doing yeah. the scale. Then yeah, maybe maybe in that like four range. I, I don't want to overstate it, I guess. Okay. I feel really similar to Adam. I kind of feel like I'm a three, like maybe a four. Just because maybe I, I overstayed myself. Maybe I'm a seven then, not an eight. I, 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 I'd go down to six. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just think that me personally, I just feel like most of my knowledge of tabletop games comes from like, not I, I don't I've never played Warhammer, but I've seen it played, and I've talked to people that played it. I've played a lot of card games. Let me tell you, like that, but you're not missing out on much. <laughs> that, that might be a hot take. I'll be honest. Well, I, you I, have money. That's so. true. That's true. Oh, I mean. I, I love the Warhammer world, but that's a whole different topic. But I wanted to say this, just as we get started, the whole reason that we kind of talked about this, or I brought this up in the first place as like an idea for the podcast, is because I know where I stand in terms of my like level of intelligence in terms of board games and stuff of that nature, and I kind of know that Adam is relatively newer like me, but then every time I sit down and play a game against you two... I'm like, okay, so they are just like a cut above the rest, and like you guys just like get it. You guys are you guys are good and quick to like understand the rules and how to play the game in the most like efficient way, almost immediately, and then you just kind of fine tune. Whereas me, I mean, we all have different play styles and stuff and what what have you, but I think that this is kind of a good starting point for a conversation to like, from your perspectives what do you think is like a good starting point for a player that's coming from a monopoly like adam said or like a trouble sorry clue those types of games that are more common in in like family households mousetrap <laughs> oh my god mousetrap is a hoot i love mousetrap i've never played it I, it's great i'm is trying it? to think yeah. what you literally just roll and then like you get the cheese and then someone gets the You have to trap. build a Rube Goldberg machine in order for the other mice to get trapped instead of you. Yeah. It's so like I, it's oh, like a dexterity like it's it's actually kind of yeah. neat. Interesting. I have to answer your question with a question then I'll pass it to you. Is this person coming in by themselves or do they already have a pre-established group of people? Do they have to like find people to play with or do they have a family that's all interested in picking up something all for them. I think I think that's actually kind of like a two-part answer. I think that uh, 
interested in my experience, and maybe you can expand on it. I think that there's games for families, but there's also games for play groups, and they don't necessarily they're not necessarily the same. You know what I mean? So the first part answer is family, and the second part answer is yes, they have a play group. So give me one or one both whatever you want. I'll give you the family one, and you can give like the nerdy play group one. Sure. Family. I want to say a game that doesn't overwhelm you, doesn't have too many like options at any one given time. I almost want to even say that Camel Up is like step two. Like we need we need to hit step one before we hit Camel Up levels of step two. So Interesting. because Camel Up, I, that's the first thing that I go to. And like people understand horse betting and in this case, like camel betting, they get that outside of the board game world. Still, if you think about it, there's a there's quite a few things that you could be doing. You could be betting on the run. You could be betting on the race as a whole. You can be trying to modify the roles of these camels. On top of that, you have to be figuring out, okay, well, there's five dice. There's six camels. How many dice are going to be rolled by the time? You know, there's like there is a decent amount of cognitive load there, especially for a new player. So I want to say something where you really only have like one choice at a time. I want to honestly say exploding kittens or you could even do like, no, 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 no. Exploding kittens are code names. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. That's like really good. For family, exploding kittens are code names because exploding kittens is really kind of like this low stakes. Um, people understand inherently player elimination. There's no point system in that game. So it's either you win or you lose. Like, you don't end the game with, like, oh, I got six points, the other person got ten points, so I, like, I did something, but I didn't win. No, there's none of that. It's, like, you die or you win the game. Um, so that sort of ease of, like, involvement with the with the win system. Um, and then you really only have, like, one thing you have to do on your turn, and that's not die. All the things in your hand are just, like, ways to assist that. It's kind of railroady. And it's not my favorite game, but I do think that it's really good at teaching people like different kind of card effects and like stepping stones, stepping stones yeah. into like something more gradual. What would you say for like a nerdy group? Um, yeah, for a nerdy group, there's a, there's a couple of different things that you can nerd out about that kind of choose which game you want to go into. I know we were talking about earlier um, how we really like villainous. So if your playgroup or just people in general are like Disney fans. That's a fans, good one. Yeah. 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 So if, if they're Disney fans, they can get into this game. It is a little bit more complex, but the cool part about it is you only really have to focus on your own play. There are some stuff that does interact with other players, but for the most part, you're just focused on your own plan and how you win. So that kind of takes a little bit of the yeah. the thinking away from it, but there's still some some interaction with the fate deck there. I would really I want to boost villainous up. I kind of want to say that might be like a like again like a step 2. Yeah, no, for sure. But villainous for sure. Actually, this could go for families as well. So the way villainous works is you have your own realm and you have a specific goal to yourself. And and it's completely asymmetrical. So like my goal as Captain Hook could just be defeat Peter Pan at the poly at the Jolly Roger. Um, whereas somebody else could be playing Prince John, which is that greedy 
fox or whatever, yeah. greedy lion from uh, the Robin Hood, and it's just collect 10 points is his goal. Yeah. So, like, you don't have to worry about what the other person's doing at all. You just have to worry about yourself. And the way you interact is not, like, random at all. You have a specific deck that helps you, and you also have a fate deck that hurts you. And what happens is whenever the other person triggers a fate event, they take a card from your fate deck and play it against you. So it's mm-hmm. like a self-contained puzzle. So There's nothing... There's a strategy there. Yeah, know, nothing sure. can happen that isn't like pre-planned by the game because your fate deck is the only thing that can hurt you. It kind of got me thinking now because, um, you know, I may, I know I, I split the, the answers up, so that's like family versus like friend group or whatever. But, uh, you know, there is obviously overlap, but... I think inherently when when there comes to a play group that you have like a friend group, I feel like there the competitiveness is generally higher. Like people generally want to win more. Whereas like in a family setting, like it's kind of like about play, like you know coming together as a family and experiencing something together. You don't want anybody to leave like unhappy. You know that like so to speak. I mean you know every every family's different. Maybe every family you know you, maybe your family listener is like super cutthroat and they like throw fists in the yard afterward. Like that's great. But whatever you do what you want. But I was thinking to myself, um, kind of earlier we were talking about Dominion, how Dominion was like one of the first like deck building games, right? Would would you say like Dominion's on like that level of like introductory level or would you say it's even still a step up? I definitely think it is a step up just because deck building games are slightly more complicated. It's not extremely complicated, but um, I did, I have played Dominion with my family and it, 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 it was a little bit of of thinking for them because uh, they haven't played other like card games as well so they understand like uh the discard pile shuffling back in once they needed it mm-hmm. um and, and it's just simple stuff like that that um might be a little bit difficult for a, a beginner player and not just that like even if they do grasp the basic mechanics of the game you want to be able to introduce a game to to a group of people where they'll get the goal from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why um, a lot of like game designers put the goal of the game as the very first thing in the rule book um, because it's been shown that you have to explain the goal of the game if you want the like explanation of the rules to go well. You have to explain the goal of the game within the first like 10 to 15 seconds of teaching the rules to somebody. If you don't, if you miss out on that and you start going into you can do this and you can do that and you can do this, but you don't tell them like, oh, this is an elimination game or this is a game about points or you want to have the most money to win. I always try to say the goal at the very beginning and that goes into just like new, like new player game theory where it's like you have to, you have to understand what you're striving towards before you can understand the steps to get there. So even if they can like grasp that, like, okay, I need to reshovel the discard pile, I need to do this, I need to do that, you have to understand, like, overall, you want the points in your deck, but the points hurt you early and the points help help later. So like that whole just overarching dynamic dynamic yeah. has to be understood first. You know, I know we're big on food analogies here, so I'm just gonna go and throw it out another one. Uh it's like making like a making a dish without understanding what the dish is supposed to be, and like you're just kind of like if you read if you read a recipe without knowing you're making spaghetti and meatballs like right off the get go, and you're like, why am I boiling pasta? 
Like, what? Why am I? Why do I need tomato paste? Like, what's going on? Of course, you can make the desertion if you if you're well experienced in cooking. But if you never cooked before, like, what is going on? What mm-hmm. am I doing? Why am I doing this thing? But if you know off the jump, I'm making this. Makes it a lot easier to digest and a lot more uh, friendly to like kind of approach as a game. Mm-hmm. I did want to follow up with a kind of like a a, two, a second part to what I, I what I asked and. What type of game do you guys think is like the easiest for a newer player to like that's coming from like I, like I said like a, a Monopoly or what have you? I was I, the reason I brought up Dominion was because I think it's very easily digestible. But that's your your guys' point. Not always. There is a lot of a lot of layers to it. Before you answer what type of game should be, I want to answer what type of game should not be. Um, I don't think it's mainstream enough to introduce a, a cooperative game early on. Mm, okay. I think people really do sit down and they're like, okay, I'm playing a board game to win, right? Yeah, and that's pretty traditional. Yeah, that's yeah. that's very traditional. I don't think there's very many, if at all, like very classic Americano or like classic Euro- European, like the Cluedo and the everything. I don't think there's many that are cooperative that I can think of at all. The most mainstream one came out in the last decade, uh, really got like traction in the last decade and is finally on store shelves like pandemic right, is, yeah. is pretty mainstream now but even then it's like you have to that's like a okay now you're into board games okay now let's learn pandemic mm-hmm. sort of the situation right right yeah. right so i think you definitely want to keep it to competitive games yeah um but what type of like genre do you think yeah i'm not sure how to explain the genre but i most games um that are pretty um mainstream have like a limited amount of pieces and like a pretty simple board that's like recognizable and one of the things that or one of the games that i think is really good for newer players is actually ticket to ride oh my gosh i should have said ticket to ride is like my my intro it is so it's it's so classic it is like the board is just if depending on which version you're playing of course but the original i think is just the united states Mm -hmm. and it's just there's rail lines and the goal of the game is you create rail lines you get points for how big your rail line is and you have certain cities you want to connect with Mm -hmm. your rail lines it's extremely simple um the way you do it is just like colored train cars mm-hmm. and it's yeah very limited pieces very iconic board and i think there's like five colors and a wild to keep track of yep and other than that it's like it's extremely easy people people often say Catan is like an opening game i disagree with that although Catan is the best selling board game outside of those like top like three hasbro games but um but Catan's longest road system is ticket to ride like that's yeah. ticket to ride that is just the whole yeah. thing yeah yeah i'm kind of mad that I, we've never played it before i went like you know right i went like right to, to ti basically <laughs> i like skipped like all these things what you that you never played ticket to ride yeah i never played ticket to ride i actually i've never played it either so i i guess next, I don't next know. time we'll play I'm, next I'm almost thinking in my head because i've been thinking this game and i wanted to ask what your guys's thoughts on it is because i'm thinking of the classic games and the games that I played when I was younger with, like, my family. I'm also thinking of other games like Life and Payday. Um, and just a lot of these games, like you said, uh, Shaw, is just, like, a recognizable board. And I'm always thinking there's almost, like, a random element. There's always rolling dice or spinning a wheel or something. So it's, like, you take your turn by starting off doing one thing. You move. 
and then maybe you like get a couple like game pieces to like have in your play area and then like you score at the end like that's what i see is like simple um one game in particular that i'm thinking about that seems kind of like that would be um like carcassonne i feel like that's a pretty simple one where it's like you just need to get points you're flipping over tiles and you're just building long like areas and then i guess you can say it gets kind of complex because you want to start thinking into the future and like where you can put your meeples yeah. and whatnot um the beginner rules for carcassonne don't even uh include the farmers oh they don't no i introduced those to you because like we're not new it's, players and it's but so, it suggests you don't even play with the farmers it's so crazy because play. it's it's one of those things where I'm just so comfortable with it now. And I feel like I was before, or maybe it's because I've played other video games or in whatnot. So like things just are more intuitive to me, but for it is almost, it's really hard for me to kind of like take that step back and be like, what would be difficult for a new player? Cause I was like, Oh, clank would be great. You know, you, you, you move and they get like a game piece, but then you guys <laughs> said deck building. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it can be complicated for someone to like, do the discard pile now they have to pay attention like you could multiple take, abilities at once and I'm like oh, the yeah. thing about clank is it's basically three game systems running at the same time so it's the dice bag which there's games that build dice bags which is the the clank bag there's deck building games but that, the dice bag is random it's not like I guess you could just be like I want as little clank as possible right um so that's kind of like simple but then you've got the deck building aspect and you've got the board aspect if you just want to play like the board exploration into the dungeon aspect you could play like lost ruins of arnak you could play um like even like a betrayal type system like i'm just trying to think of like exploration into the wilderness it's it's kind of like three different game systems like competing against each other it's running in a really fluid way but like the fact that the deck building makes your character move it's like two like very different balancing aspects uh, i kind of like i just wanted to interject the kind of the reason i started this whole conversation to begin with is because i, I was talking to my brother-in-law about like finding another hobby for him because he works a corporate job he's like i need to find a hobby i need to like make new friends and stuff like that so like i want to go out and like do things but he, he doesn't want to quite commit to a tcg like magic or pokemon or anything like that but he wants to be able to not, and now he doesn't, definitely doesn't want to buy like Warhammer armies, you know, don't like, you know. Uh, so, like, where is a happy middle? And I kind of explained to him like a deck building game. And he's like, that sounds overwhelming. Because you know? uh, he's, he's like, he's like one of those people that's like the, the most complex he's game, game he's played is probably like one of those, the classics, right? The, the clue, the monopoly, like we've been saying. Trouble. And you know, and you know, when we play it, he goes hard. I'm not gonna lie; he gets really into it. But I, I but I, I was like thinking to myself, like, what is a good game to introduce to him that wouldn't like completely overwhelm a player and like discourage him from playing other board games? Because as we all know, board games are like really fun when you're playing them with the right people and and are you feel engaged? Right, and when a bad and when you don't get a bad taste in your mouth the first time, it can lead you into like a path of spending thousands of dollars on cardboard. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and maybe making like a whole YouTube channel about it. <laughs> uh, an episode is coming out soon um, about Monopoly leaves a bad taste in beginner players' mouths. I don't think we all share that sentiment, but... Um, we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, you have to also remember that we live in North America. Yeah. 
Ticket to Ride and a couple other games like close to that genre, those are very popular in Europe. Like Ticket to Ride is on every shelf. Like how the game of life is like on every shelf over here. Um, I feel like when I was in Germany, I saw it at the game store I went to. Yeah, it's very, very popular. Um, Catan has been popular for longer over there. Um, it's just a lot of board game design originated in in that area, uh, especially in Germany. Um, there's a lot of popular designers com- constantly coming out with new ideas from, um, from Germany, from Denmark, from Switzerland. Um, it's a really popular area for it. Uh, not to say that North America doesn't have like, you know, I have great ideas, but anyway, what's, um, I want I wanted a kind of a follow up to what we were talking about. So do you guys think that, um, games were you so you said that cooperative games are pretty much off the table for new players do you think i would say for step one for sure so you think that would you have them continue to play like more like sprint to the finish or competitive types of games or would you want them to play a game where like they are playing a character like in villainous where they they kind of like feel like you play toward their character strength and kind of learn how to build this engine that is their character or what have you Mm -hmm. So what you call those kinds of games where it's just like a race to the finish, like very like uh, out of touch with the the theme of the game is just like an abstract strategy game. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about like Azul, I don't know if you've you've played Azul. I believe Adam has. Um, Okay, Shah has too. Azul is like a very abstract strategy. Like, yeah, it has like a loose theme to it um, where you're like building a tile wall, but you're not taking control of a specific character um you're just kind of you and you're doing things to the board you're not like it doesn't want you to imagine yourself down on the board being that thing being a tile yeah (laughs) right 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 yeah so i think people are generally more comfortable with that but i don't think it's too big of a leap to jump into something like character driven or like very very heavy like dripping with theme I think stuff like that is definitely easier to sell. Um, or I mean, stuff like Azul, where there's no like heavy theme. It's just like, hey, this is the game. We're making a, a wall. Oh, it's pretty, too. It is pretty. And I think it, it was going to be one of my um, like step two games like for, for like a decent play group, if you've got it. Because it is very simple, but there is a lot of like strategy you have to kind of like think about with it. Um, it's it's a great one though. It's uh, it's kind of like adjacent to. Have you played Arboretum? No, but I've seen that one. Okay, so Arboretum is like um, it's very similar to a lot of games that you'd find out of a, uh, like an actual deck of cards. So it's a it's a single deck of cards, and you have to build sets of trees like in a certain order, and it's like the same tree of like one through eight. And it doesn't matter, like, the position as long as they're all adjacent to each other, but then different, like, tree paths can, like, cross each other. And you're basically just building up this, like, very abstract board of, like, very specific numbered trees in order to make the most beautiful arboretum. But the mm-hmm. fact that it comes out of just a single deck of cards is probably more healthy to new players since there's not, like, a million pieces moving around the board at all times. Yeah, I feel like the more daunting the task, the more discouraged discouraged a player was going to be. Um, so, 
I, I'm actually curious to ask Adam this question. I know I was like initially going to interview you two, but I kind of want to hear your perspective as well, because I still think that I'm the newbie here, just generally speaking. <clears throat> so they've said their piece about like what they would recommend as uh, for a first time game to like level up from, you know, like the traditional games that we talked about. Now, you as being somebody that <laughs> Ethan has basically fostered into like this board game lifestyle. <clears throat> what is one of the games that Ethan has like kind of been like, we should play this that really like made you op open up to like the idea of playing more board games? Well, because your background is a little bit. It, it came later in life for you, like, yeah, for, being interested in things. For the, for the board games. I mean, I played maybe some board games with family, like I, I had said before. Then I played, like, a lot of video games. So I feel like going to board games, it's not as complex. So I feel like I do pick up on things pretty quickly. And then I was also, like, getting into magic as well and learning all of that. So I feel like that is one of those things where it's like, I can understand magic. I'm like, I think I can understand other, like, deck-building games and whatnot. Um I know Clank was one of the big ones that I really enjoyed. I thought it was simple, but I that was my first like deck building experience where it's mm -hmm. like you're adding cards. Um, I played Twilight Imperium early on, so that was complicated. Now I didn't play right. We didn't play the right the first time, and we had a lot to learn. Um, so it was kind of like tough love in terms of a lot of my learning where it's like, yeah, I had like really complex stuff, and then I was doing my analysis paralysis and like taking long terms, but I've progressively gotten better just the more I've played them. Um, but I'd say that would turn maybe a lot of people off where they'd be like, I don't, this is too much, but I was always like down for the challenge. Yeah, I think... Uh, he stood at the end of the pool and I just pushed him into the deep end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like kind of raised by wolves type of thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think um, it, it's interesting you said that because like, I feel like it's kind of going back to what I was saying about um, getting discouraged and that's either like empowering or like really dis discouraging for a new player. And the way you did it, it was kind of like you turned that like oh my God, what's going on? Like I need, like you're kind of like overwhelmed into like a passion project to learn, to kind of learn more about these board games and get better at them and kind of like make it something that you care about. And that's how I think that you've continued to play TI with Ethan every time that you guys can, et cetera. Uh, and obviously delve into magic and what have you. But uh, I, I, I think that's very interesting that there is, because um, I, I think that your background coming from video games uh, definitely helped you uh, kind of like continue to climb that mountain to level up as a board game player. Uh, <laughs> I think I think a, another thing is like that's probably not the standard, right? There's people who play casual board games. Like if I wanted to go to like my mom or something and be like, hey, it's a board game, like it needs to like make sense. So I think Az Azul would probably be a good one because it doesn't have like a strict theme to it. And it just is like a little bit of a progression of like, there's like a one extra mechanic you have to pay attention to. And I know Ethan has introduced tons of board games to his family and friends. Um, and that's kind of leaked into me because I've tried to introduce some to other people. So I'm almost curious. I know I've asked about some of these because I literally inquired with you like, hey, are these good to recommend to people or play like with some people? Um, but my cousin had gotten married and he said he does like board game nights and stuff with like his I'm now wife and um like his wife's family and i remember getting them happy little dinosaurs for like a gift i think that was probably a good one i got like mm -hmm. the expansions as well so they could probably play it and then move into the expansions because they also both loved dinosaurs so i thought it was like perfect <laughs> mm -hmm. um but then i got isle of cats which i haven't played yet and i can't remember if you said that was like a really good one or not i feel like you said it was like decent 
yeah, it's really good. So it's a polyomino game, um, which means like it's the different shapes, different shapes of pieces and stuff. And you want to fit them onto your like area um, as best you can. And you can't go like outside of the borders. Um, but you basically have to like draft these cats and then fit them onto your ship because like this person that's like coming to murder all the cats or something or, or sure yeah is coming to, danger is coming to the island and you have to like save as many stray cats as possible onto your pirate ship um and it's it's a lot of fun it's just they definitely should play happy little dinosaurs before like moving <laughs> into like a little sure. bit more because yeah. there's a drafting system in it you played it uh no not no it's a draft there's a drafting element to it and then there's that polyomino element and then there's also like a hand management and resource management and but but i think they were the type of people that would definitely not be discouraged right yeah. where they're like well this game looks complicated but then they'd be like this is going to be like the fun thing that we get to do together to learn how to play this game and mm-hmm. then keep playing it uh, yeah i, I kind of want to talk about the opposite of that um now that you bring that up so like there are people that are like very open to learning those board games like they're already like oh yeah i would love to learn a board game you know that, that type of attitude but how do you get somebody that's like so like man, I don't want to go past Monopoly, man. Like, I'm good. Like, how do you get them to get over the hump to come and, like, play play one in Azul or what have you, or, or a zombie dice even, or, you know? Can you get drinks involved? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that would take, like, a, depending on the person, they're either like, let's get the hell out of here and go to, like, a bar and keep drinking, you know? Yeah. But in terms of, like, getting them to play, like, a board game, it really, I unless you're playing, like, shots or something yeah something that i was just thinking about while we were sitting here is we haven't necessarily brought it up but is definitely a factor when it comes to people like that who are uh less who who don't want to really take that extra step to play something like that is the time commitment for a game so games that are like extremely quick like one night ultimate werewolf coup um flux flux those are oh, kind of yeah, card games yeah. in terms, but like yeah. same genre board game. Sure, those are really good for people who who don't want to take that extra step. It's like, hey, just here, just play this with me. It'll take literally like 10, 15 minutes maximum, and then if you don't like it, yeah. you never have to play it again. And that's so. a, that's another reason why I brought up exploding kittens because lately we play with all the expansions and it takes forever. But it's not supposed to take that much. You're supposed to right, cut out yeah. it, cut it out to like a third of the deck and it's supposed to be 20 minutes like max so that is a good like time commitment hey we can get this done in a third of an hour like it'll it's super easy another thing on top of the um time commitment that i'll jump off of is uh setup and takedown like if it takes forever for a person to set up the game the people who don't care in the first place are going to get so disinterested by the time you've actually set up but if you're like hey, let's play Exploding Kittens, and you pass out three cards, shuffle the rest of the deck, and put it in the middle of the table, like, okay, boom. Like, we're already doing this, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, this is like Uno. That's what I'm, I'm sure what they they would think, right? Well, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of said that, because what I'm thinking right now is the way that I would try to get someone to try something new is to try and compare it to a traditional kind of board game, right? Okay. So I'm thinking, like, because I know some people that think chess is too much. But let's just say someone like, I like chess because they like, they're like, I like strategy, but they haven't like gone into like all these different games. Sure. Um, they'd be like, oh, do you like chess? And I played The Great Plains with Ethan. And mm-hmm. it was like, 
he kind of always described it as like a chess-like game, right? Where you're just like moving pieces and it's fun. So you can kind of compare it to that and be like, you like chess? Like, okay, well, here's another strategy-like game, but with like some different pieces, a small board. And then like, they're like, oh, this is fun. And then I feel like, oh yeah, now I could like play another, like I, they can understand strategy in a slightly different context. And now they're like, in a completely different board game and they have like the different look and everything and now they can like branch out. It takes that click. You have to baby somebody because there are so many people out there and I've experienced them where they're opposed to playing not because they have this predisposition to hate it but because they're just worried it's not going to be for them or they're worried that it's going to disappoint them. Like it's going to be a waste of their time or no, I've already played those kinds of games. I don't need to learn something new and that's okay. Like I totally get it. 100%. There's plenty of hobbies out there that I'm a little bit, I don't know, worrisome or a little bit hesitant to try, but you have to get that click where instead of just being like, okay, chess is the only game that does this. You have to realize there are elements in that game that can be stripped away and placed in other areas like great plains is a great example a lot of people say well chess is the only of its kind right mm -hmm. like people who would just like i don't know they've gone to uh Oberweiss and they played chess <laughs> on the on the Oberweiss tables like once every five okay, years that's or always something. fun yeah that always is fun. but they're like they, they think chess is the only game that has that sort of like area control, like movement um, with all the different like pieces and their different abilities. But then you play a different game and you're like, oh, wait, there can be a different game that's differently designed that does something similar. Like I'm starting to understand that there's not a there aren't walls around this. It's like you can break the walls in there. You can you can have different designs. Something that I, I was thinking about um when I, when I brought up Uno and kind of when you talked about like having like the game to compare it to, mm -hmm. um, what was that game that we played that was like a firework or whatever? Oh, Hanabi. Hanabi. Uh, I feel like that's like the opposite of Uno almost, you know what I mean? And uh, it, I mean, of course, that's like a very... That was pretty fun. It was fun. That's the kind of game, sometimes a gimmick is all it takes. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes literally a gimmick is all it takes to get new people in. So Hanabi is a cooperative game. Um, kind of like oh God, you, you played so the fun. the mind or the game. That's the one where you can't talk. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of you not being able to talk in Hanabi, you have your cards out in front of you, but they they're facing the other way. Oh, okay. So everybody else knows what you have, and they have to help you play the right things. But if you play the wrong thing, then you like lose a life for the team. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so you're the only one who doesn't well. know what you're playing. I, I would actually say it could probably go as long as some Uno games, but it could also be as short as some Uno games too, which I think that would be a really good game to like, if like you know, everyone loves Uno. Like I, I haven't met like a single person that's like, oh, dude, Uno's not for me. Like I really, very rarely, maybe not Ethan. Maybe Ethan is, is in the minority here, but the, the uh, <laughs> I didn't but, say anything. Uh, Uno, I just feel like is like a really, um, commonly known game and it's really easy to give if i if i have an uno deck i'm like hey do you want to play a cool game of uno while i like wait for like the car to heat up or something like people typically say yes i feel like hanabi i could probably be like okay so we played uno a ton like want to give this a shot we might need a little more time for it though uh and and i feel like it there was a reluctancy 
kind of gets stripped away because you have like 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 Adam was saying that direct comparison to be like, no no no, we're just playing Uno, man. Like this isn't we're not playing like some three D chess game here, okay? Like you know, which is I think uh, definitely where the reluctancy comes from because it's like. Again, it's like this daunting thing. They they look at it like it's like a mountain to climb. It's like, bro, I don't have time to climb that thing. Like, I've played some games now where I look at maybe the closest comparison to, like, a traditional board game, and I'm like, those just seem so, like, uninteresting and just, like, bland. I'm just like, this has so much more flavor and spice to it. And, I mean, obviously, I'm more personally interested in, like, at least putting a little more thought. But even a game like we played tonight, right, where we're playing modern art, it's just super fun, right? Like, Christos and I probably weren't, like, counting people's money and, like, paying attention as much, but I was having so much fun. And, like, then then you get into games where it's, like, there's a deep level of strategy, but that is not even remotely required to have fun in the game. Modern Art is a great balance where you can have just, like, stupid fun and not feel like you're wasting your time, but at the same time, you can really, really pay attention and get something out of it. Um, and I don't feel it's like one of the only games where like if everybody else at the table was screwing around and not trying to win and I was trying to win, I would still feel accomplished. Like I'd be like, okay, I'm outsmarting these idiots. You know? <laughs> like, it's, it's not even like I'm screwing them over with my like free game knowledge. It's just like, no, I'm just, I'm better than them. <laughs> I, I want to ask something that I'm not sure if we want to leave it for a different episode, but, uh, do you want, uh, I guess, how do I phrase this? What do you think is the most engaging games that you can offer uh, to somebody to like, kind of like, especially when to a new player, like get their attention and hold it? You know what I mean? Because a lot of games, I feel like, unfortunately, in my in my eyes, if I tried to like get my family to play modern art, they would check out after like the first round. I, uh, because it's not an easy game for them to like stay committed to because it's like, a you know, there's rounds to it. We have to go through this whole thing. And I'm sure, like, I could even hear my dad right now. He'd be like, all right, I won this round, I'm good. You know, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally. I, That's why I say play elimination is probably easiest to step into. Um, mm. It's because it's not round-based. It's not point-based. It's literally just, like, you're here until you die or you get voted out or whatever it is. Um, I also think... Um, Team games are really good in that aspect. Like Codenames is the be- one that comes oh, yeah. to mind best because Codenames, it's like yeah. if if one person's checked out, then your teammates get mad at you. It's like, hey, pay attention. You might ha- like think of the the right thing for this here, and like it's other people kind of just like, hey, I, it's their competitive spirit. They're like, hey, I want our team to win. Come on, let's right, yeah. focus. I know someone. He's my uncle. He says he's played at least one game of Codenames every day over the past 10 years because he gets up in the morning and it's his first thing he does with his cup of coffee is get online and he plays with his three friends doing the exact same thing code names every day no way that's yeah so interesting. <laughs> like Dude, that's a lifestyle for code sure. names <laughs> is like that just that game where like you can get it done quick it's elimination and the fact that like one team is going to pick up the the spy or going to get enough points sure. to win or whatever um You've got to have a quick, just easy to digest, easy to set up, easy to take down. Probably team game, probably competitive game. Could be either. I, I would say it just depends on the objective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but generally, we want to go quick with 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 a new player. We yeah. Want, we want to make sure that like 
we keep their like we got we got a split second right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that shooting star is gonna swing by mm-hmm. like and it's honestly I think it's really tough to once you lose a new player like as their attention or mm-hmm. whatever or once they're discouraged even slightly it's really hard to pick them back up and also the the person learning if you're teaching a very brand new player the person teaching has to know the game by heart if it's yeah. if this is their first <laughs> foray into okay fine i'll try board games you have to know it yeah, very like, infrequently do i see you like Maybe you'll open up the box and be like, okay, let me like read through. Yeah, you get a refresher so like people are still talking, but you you're not usually like reading through the like instructions right. when you're reading it out to everyone. You're like, you start saying it, and like that makes everyone like me be like, oh, okay, I'm, Ethan knows exactly what's going on. Like he's gonna say it, and then if we have questions, we can talk. And I feel that like social dynamic also gets people really invested in the game because if it's a game where it's like from the beginning, you need to be thinking. Mm-hmm. there's just no way that's going to capture anyone. It's just, like you said. Yeah. Simple. I mean, now at this point, if, like, I really wanted to play a game I've never played before, I think you'd be down to, like, let me figure it out and let me, like, read it through. But that wasn't the case the first time. Like, you know, this is so, not, like, completely off topic, but a game that we've only played once that I feel like we should definitely play again with more people. And I'm actually wondering what you think this game would be considered. A Dice Force, was it? Where you, like, create your own die? Dice Forge. Dice Forge. That was fun. And we just played the two of us. Yeah. How it works is the die faces are modular. So so you're rolling dice and it's like this Greek pantheon style game where you're like getting blessings from the gods and stuff. And they'll like bless you. So they'll change your like worst. It's like instead of deck building, it's dice building. building. Dude, it's fun. It's oh, fun. Okay. So they'll change your. So you'll trash your worst die face in favor sure. for something slightly better, and then the next time you roll, but you're not guaranteed to get it because it's a roll of the die. Exactly. That's interesting. And then you like move around the board, and it's important like where you move to, and you can like block kind of certain areas for people off. It's we should play with more people because I that was the last game I remember that you like opened up and like we were like playing it as we were kind of like you were reading through the instructions and we yeah. were like asking questions and going through it together. Um, but that was a fun experience as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've kind of got our conclusion. Easy to digest and uh, code names. <laughs> I, th- I think and exploding that's kittens. Yeah, yeah. Code names and exploding kittens. For sure. Yeah, both like ten to fifteen dollar games too. Definitely yeah. not hard to pick up. If this is like your first foray, or like you need to teach like your mom how to play because you're you're bored as hell or something, definitely pick it up. So around the holidays, those two are great. So. And I, I know we're trying to wrap it up here, but then I, I want to throw this one last one. So those are both kind of like card games, I guess, still technically. What would be like the simplest, like as close to traditional board game that you can think of that you'd be like, that's not maybe like even tile based. It's just like a board game. Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. Oh, ticket sure. to Ride. That's Absolutely. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ticket to Ride. Yeah. Get that for your kids. They have a Ticket to Ride Junior. And honestly, I played Ticket to Ride Junior with like these kids that I was watching. It is like marginally easier. Like they take one tiny little aspect and make it easier, but for the most part, Ticket to Ride is like kid friendly. And then you can just tree branch from Ticket to Ride and be like, see, that's not so bad. And then you play a game kind of like Ticket to Ride, and that, but now has like one extra step. Yeah. And then you take that game and. Well, literally it. just pick up like Ticket to Ride Europe. That's like the same thing with one extra step. Yeah, and then boom, and then you make them play Ti, an eight-player <laughs> game. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Um, I want to thank our basically sponsors, our patrons. Uh, if you want to help out on the Patreon, go ahead and check out cardboardcrashcourse.com. Uh, music for this episode was made by Ryan Jacobson, as always, and our editing is done by Star. Let's put something up on screen or sound effect or something, Star. But yeah, thank you very much for watching. Stay tuned for the next episode. You can let us know what you'd like to see in the comments below. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.